0: of
1: So grateful that we can come to you. You have an open ear to our voices and to our concerns. And this morning, especially, we come to you um, with gratitude on our hearts for this great nation, for the challenges that we have, and the blessings that we have. For, Lord, we pray for our government. Lord, we pray for our president and Congress and the judicial branch of the governments. We pray for all those that are in governments locally and that are statewide. Father, we just pray for them for wisdom. Our countries has got some severe issues right now. We see things that we don't like and we're fearful and it's very easy to say things and talk bad about our government right now, but we just pray that our government will put together their minds together and have a mind that's what you built in this country. That the early fathers of our nation who had desires to fulfill your will through the scriptures in mankind pilgrims and those like them that desired your will that they will get that same kind of heart and be concerned for its people rather than for their agendas we pray god especially too father for those who protect us every day we think of the police and fire and ems and those who are around us every day that are here but also too lord for our military that are continuing to keep us as a a free uh, democracy lord and what a wonderful thing we have here to come and worship you and not be told we can or not be not have to be told what time we can it's all in your hands and we give you thanks And today heavenly father too we pray for uh, especially our brother howard tice this morning as he came to church and led our first worship service in, in liturgy and yet uh, he was told earlier this morning by his brother who came to his house that his brother, his other brother had died. And I just pray for Howard, Lord, and for his family as they mourn the loss of his brother. Uh, be with them as they travel to Kansas City and the arrangements they have for his brother's funeral. I pray, Lord, that you give Howard peace, Lord, and strength in this time. We pray also too for Bill Bannister and Evelyn and Lucille and Karen and Kay enjoy us all who are shut-ins right now who uh, struggle to get out and can't even get out lord anymore and i pray for them on the journey and especially to bill now he's been told that he has cancer and it's uh it's inoperable i just pray that you'll be with connie as he ministers next to him we pray also too for those in our midst that have been struggling with health issues with covid and we thank you for their healing and to see some of them back with us today we pray also, too, for little Charlotte uh, Mama, uh, Savannah, uh, yeah, Shannon Mama, and also for Daniel Gum as they battle their cancers, Lord. We pray for healing for them. We pray also, too, for a friend that just got a hip operation. And also, too, Lord, those addicts that we know that we're concerned about, some who struggle every day, I pray. friend right now his son was doing well and now has gone back to that addiction and i just pray you'll give him patience and strength and that lord you'll draw his son back to the right way which he knows he needs to do we pray for ryan and jordan and david and eric and ricky and mitch these are people that we work with and try to help i I think of james also and and i think of craig um, these young men whose lives are a mess because of this stuff, Lord. We just pray that they will see you, Jesus, for who you really are and understand. And Father, now we come to you and ask you to speak to us through your word. Uh, Your word is so wonderful, Lord. It teaches us so much. And we are in so need of it, Lord. We need to not only uh, listen to it, but to absorb it into our beings, Jesus. And we pray that you will do that now through your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Growing up in the United States, I had a great history teacher and he talked about the freedoms that we have. And what a wonderful thing it is as Americans that we have all these marvelous freedoms that we can share and that we can do and be free. You don't realize that until you look at a Russia or you look at some of these other uh, uh, nations that people are oppressed or can't do what they want. They have to have a certain job and they have to do certain things. Whereas here in America, we are free, truly really free. And yet, sometimes it's challenging. I was reading the uh, ACLU the other day and, and uh, website, and they were talking about all the freedoms that we need to know about, like being stopped by police. In fact, one of our elders this morning was stopped by a police officer and had a little nice talk and chat, but he was able to show his cross, and he was, never mind, we better not go there. Also about religious freedoms that we have and also student rights and LGBTQ rights. And we hear about voting rights and protester rights, sexual discrimination rights and all those things that go on. And we like to claim that we have a lot of rights, don't we? I can remember in high school during the 60s and 70s, and I remember one girl who the principal said, and there was a time when halters were, ba- or were in and uh, mini skirts were in, and she said, nobody's gonna tell me what I can wear in school by that unconstitutional. Well, she had a long shirt on the next day and a pair of pants that her parents helped her to understand. But we all like our rights and it's wonderful to have those rights. But Paul is speaking to us today and shares with us that even though we have the right to do what we want to do and things, sometimes we have to hold ourselves back. And it's for other people. Last week, we talked about those who were, um, had food problems. Paul, if you remember, he's six times now people wrote him to the, from the Corinthian church, and this is the second letter he's written, and they ask him questions about what is okay to do and what's not to do as a Christian. And some of these things were gray areas, but Paul understood something that was even more important. He had a value system way high above what you can and can't do type of thinking. In fact, he talked about Christian liberty. And if you remember back in 1 Corinthians 6:12. He spoke about, yes, you're free to do a lot of things, but you will not do certain things and you hold yourself back from doing so that you don't become an an addict to certain things. They can addict you and they can draw you in and make you not be a good Christian. And so in that gray area, you need to evaluate, is this a good thing to buy or will it make me a bondage to paying the company off? Or will it bring a bondage to me because I got involved with this and now I can't stop it and I'm addicted to it? We can do it and we have the freedom, Paul says, but we don't want to become slaves to it. But then last week he talked about when Christians struggle over certain areas, and especially if they're weak. If you remember, they had problem with food offered to idols. And some Christians said, well, it's God's food and we can go buy it and we can eat it and that's fine. And that was the freedom that they had. There were some people who came out of that and were really struggling whether they should eat it or not because it was offered to this gods that they at one point in time bowed down to. And Paul says, if it offends your brother and sister, that is weak and feels that way. Don't do it in front of them. In fact, instead, put a brake on yourself and do it for their good so that you don't make a problem for them inside of their hearts. But as they learn and they grow and that this food is made by God and it's God's blessing, and they finally get free from the bondage of their little laws, then you can have the food. And Paul takes that thinking now and wants to really stress this among the Corinthians. Because a lot of them were taking their freedom just walking over these weak Christians. And so Paul now sets a pattern, and this pattern that he sets is self-denial. One of the greatest things that we've learned from Jesus, he denied himself of heaven. Paul talks to us about denying ourselves when it hurts somebody else, that we hold ourselves back. And here today, Paul speaks about it in a very interesting manner. If you look with me today in having the right, he had the right, he says. Am I free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If others, I am not an apostle. At least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Now, Paul here is speaking to them very plainly. He's saying to them, look, I've got the right to, for financial support. He says, I'm an apostle. And an apostle was a person who not only saw the Lord, but had abilities and and miracles that they could do, and that they also did things that were fruitful in the Lord. And Paul says to him, hey, listen. And there are some people who are saying, Paul's not an apostle. They say he's full of himself. And Paul says, well, let me see that. He says, number one, When did I see Jesus? Yes, I wasn't with the disciples when Jesus was here on earth. But on my road to Damascus, when I was going out to persecute the church, drag people out of their homes, put them in prison, beat them for being Christians, on that road to Damascus, I was struck by a huge light. And Jesus Christ has showed himself to me. And he said to me, Paul, this is ending And I'm giving you a new life, a new mission that you are going to follow me now. And you're going to go to places that you don't even want to go to. And I'm going to send you and you're going to be my missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm an apostle. That's why I'm an apostle. And then he says, I've had special signs that I've shown you. I've done miracles. You've seen them before me. And that you've seen what I've done in certain places. And furthermore, he says, You're my seal. Your seal. How are the Corinthians? Well, he said, I started the church in Corinth, pagan Corinth. And many of you have come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and have been freed from the slavery of sin in your lives. And you see, you are my basically poster child of what I can do when God used me to bring together this church in Corinth in the most most pagan, vile city in our area. And with the Aphrodites and the immorality that came down with her prostitutes and that all, he says, and you are different now. You're in Christ. And so he says, I can easily claim that I, you pay me for because I'm an apostle. You can easily be thought that it's the custom People run around now as itinerant preachers and what do people do? They pay them. They give them money. He says, and you've seen that and I haven't asked you for that. He says, and also it's God's law. He says that God has a way in which he wanted people taken care of who were in religious experience, for instance. And he says that he used an illustration of the Old Testament of a a mule or an ox. And he says, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 25, it is written, don't muzzle the ox that when it treads grain. And what you remember, you see maybe you see me these pictures where these mules or these ox go around in circles. And what they're doing is they're hitting the wheat and getting the chaff out of it. And they're being able to process that by those animals pouncing on it. And they don't muzzle them, but instead they eat from the ground so that keeps them going and they have the energy. And Paul says, he quotes that, and he says, that's part of the Old Testament. God had it that way. In the Old Testament, people were priests, and they were brought food to the temple to feed the priests and their families. And so it was also done in the Old Testament. And Jesus also commanded it when he said the laborer deserves his wages. But now Paul throws a (laughs) curveball. And in 9.15, we see what he says. He says, but I have used none of these things. And I am not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast of an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And Paul breaks this whole thing down and says, look, I'm not looking for money. He says, number one, I do not want money from you. He says, I don't want anybody to think that I am preaching the gospel for my own personal gain. How many of us see these evangelists on TV with these multi-million dollar airplanes and they fly into all these places. And what do we judge in our minds about? Is this guy really interested in preaching the gospel or is he more concerned to keep more money flowing so he can take his jet and he can have a bigger mansion and all that? And that's the way naturally we would think. And Paul is saying, "I don't want anybody to get the idea that I am preaching this gospel Because I'm in it for the money. In fact that's why I'm not asking. And I don't want to ask anybody for money. In fact Paul and Barnabas were tent makers. And they worked as leather workers and tent makers. To pay for themselves as they moved on. The only time Paul ever asked for money. Was not for himself. But for the people that were struggling in Jerusalem. Who were being persecuted and losing their jobs. Because of the gospel. And he raised money and sent it. To them, But he never asked for himself. And the reason he said that is because I don't want anybody to get the idea that I'm in this business for the money. And there were people who were making lucrative money at this time in his life. But he never wanted anybody to think that thought. And that he says, I'm under compulsion. Why? Because Jesus came to him and said to him, Paul, I'm going to use you as the preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Paul did that but he never wanted anybody in and he didn't also want people <clears throat> to think turn, and for himself also to think ever that it was about money. In fact, in fact he says, "I do these things for the gospel of Jesus Christ." That was his motive, to please God and honor God and never have any money out of it. He even speaks about the struggles that he did. think about this. He gives himself fully to this work, not receiving a dime. And listen to what he went through. In 2 Corinthians 11, it says, that I am a servant of Christ with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, more countless beatings, and other near-death experiences. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship. Though many sleepless nights, in hunger, in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And he's doing it for the pleasure of bringing people to Christ. His preaching is present there without charge because he wanted people to see that he had the right even though he had the right to ask for it. He would not do that for himself. And it was because he didn't want that to become a stumbling block for anybody to come to know Jesus. And today, I, I, I was wrestling with this when I was going through this and my preparing this sermon I ask myself, and and we need to ask ourselves, is there something that we have the freedom that we're doing that we're keeping somebody from going to Christ? Is there something that I do that gets in the way for them to want to know Jesus? Is there something that I say or the way I treat people or the what the words that come out of my mouth, is that a stumbling block because they may know I'm a Christian? And yet why are they saying that? And it seems inconsistent with them. And Paul says to us, whatever that may be, it may even be a right that we have, that we think we're right and they're wrong and, 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 and we won't forgive them or we, we let that stand in the way of our relationship. And that destroys the work of the gospel. And Paul says to us, I'm not going to let any right that I have get in the way. Anything, the way I act or the way I speak, anything like that, get in the way from somebody coming to know Jesus Christ and him as their savior. Because if they see me as the Christian and they're reading me as their Bible... And they see inconsistencies and falsehoods and lies. They have to ask themselves, what am I doing? Paul says your biggest priority should be people to know Jesus. And don't let anything get in the way of that. Because then Paul says something about his ministry. Look at what he says. For though I am a free man, all man, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews to those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under law. So that I might win those who are under the law and to those who are without the law as without the law, though not being without the law of God but under the law of Christ so that I might win those who are without the law And to the weak, I am weak that I may win the week, that I might become all things to all men, so that I may, by all means, save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker." Now we're living in a world that's full of... (laughs) It's amazing the different backgrounds of people that we have in this country. And we know how diverse it can be, but we don't want to offend people My niece right now is preparing for missions over in Uzbekistan, which is a Muslim country. One of the things she had to do when she went on her first trip, she had to get some outfits, burqas. You know where their heads are covered and everything's covered? She did that so not to offend the Muslim people. She doesn't believe that she has to, but she does so so that she can win them for Christ. There's other things that she's learned to do culturally so she doesn't offend them. Paul is here speaking about three groups of people that he's dealing with and that the Corinthians are dealing with. And he says, we don't want to offend them. We don't want to put a block in the way of them coming to know Christ. And so therefore, we become part of their culture, never compromising the gospel. And this is the danger what has happened in the church. The church has not done only cultural adaptation, but they have adapted the gospel to that so that people don't even know if they need to be saved to go to heaven. And that's the tragedy has happened in the modern church. Paul says we become a slave in order to win people to Christ. That's the goal. Never compromising that. There are many ways of getting there, he says. For instance, he talks about the Jews. He says the Jews are under the law. Now, in Galatians chapter, in Galatians, the book of Galatians, he's dealing with Christian Jews, those who have come to know Christ and have a Judaistic background. He talks to them, and he says to them, it's not the cross of Jesus Christ plus circumcision. He says circumcision has nothing to do. He says it's all about coming to know Christ. That's it. You don't add circumcision. And he's very plain about that and very clear that the gospel of Jesus Christ is his saving work and nothing about circumcision. However, when he gets in Acts chapter 16 to a very big Jewish environment and a Jewish crowd. Timothy is with him and Timothy is was coming out of a Jewish and Gentile home. His father was a a Gentile soldier and his mother was a, a Jewish girl. And he had never been circumcised. And what happened was the Apostle Paul had Timothy circumcised, even though he knew he didn't need to be. But because of Timothy not being circumcised, that would have put a roadblock for those Jews not to listen to them. So instead of allowing that to happen, Paul had Timothy circumcised so that he could reach those Jews in that area. We see then Paul goes on and says, and Those under the law those who don't use the law, that are not Jewish and that are pagan Gentiles. He would go to their feast and speak to them about Christ. He would go and participate in some activities, but these sexually immoral stuff, he would not participate in, but he was there sharing the gospel. And whenever he saw an opportunity, like when he was in the Areopagus and he saw that they had the Greek gods and all that, and then they said this unknown God, he gets up and speaks to them. And he doesn't use Scripture from the Old Testament because he knew they didn't know any of it. So he used the Epicurean philosophers and quoted them so that they would connect with him and say, oh, yeah, this gospel is universal. for what it was. And so Paul spoke that way. And then also to the weak. We talked about that last week, to the weak who struggle. And he would not eat to be offered to t- temples uh, because some of the weak brothers felt, well, it was... Sacrifice to the temple gods I can't do that And Paul would not offend them But rather he would not eat That temple food Instead he would eat other food with them See that's the way Paul Wants us to understand If you're a Christian And you love Christ in your heart You're going to share the gospel And understand them So that you can make a better Presentation of it and not offend them about the gospel. I was reading about cultural nuances in our society that could offend people who just come on. For instance, let's say we have an engineer who comes to Bombardier and he comes out of the Japanese culture. You realize if you're smiling and laughing and showing your teeth, you're insulting that person. For instance, if we have somebody from Germany come over here, and you come to meet them, every time you come, you're late, which is an American pastime. Um, What you're doing, you're insulting them, and you're saying to them, my time's more important to you, and you're just gonna have to wait. For those who are in Italy, and um, France, and places like that, if you sit down to a meal that they prepared, and you ask for the salt and pepper, and you spread it on there, guess what? That's an insult to them. You're saying that their food is not tasty enough. And you're mocking them. And then also, uh, uh, if you polish off a meal, for instance, in China or in the Philippines, and you eat the whole thing, which some of us like to lick our plates, what happens is you're saying you haven't served me adequate enough food. You see how things can get very insulting. And if you blow your nose in the presence of the Chinese, the French, the Japanese, Saudi Arabians, and Turkish, That's rude and very repulsive to them. You see these little things, they're not important to us if we don't want to reach into their lives and bring them to Christ. But if we do care about people, they do become important. And we don't want to insult them, but we want to love them. And we have the same thing in our culture today. There's many things that are going on crazy in our world today. You think about what uh, some of these transes want to hear or they want to be called they and are we agreeing with them and saying when we call them they that we're agreeing with, or are we trying to build a bridge to them to see the brokenness in their heart and why they need to change and put jesus in front of their life and not this crazy thinking that they have you see we need to be able to reach them in loving ways i know I have a lot of Christian friends who will come up to me and say, Dave, my wife and I have been invited to our friend's daughter's wedding and she's marrying another woman. Do we go? If we go, are we saying to them, we agree with what you're doing? Or do we not go and just go to the reception? Or do we not go at all? See, this is challenging for us as Christians because the hard thing is, We don't wanna affirm that, but in the same vein, we want them to know we love them. I've made that choice a couple months ago, my wife and I did. And then we lovingly spoke with them afterwards, a couple, about two months afterwards, we spoke with them and we hugged them and told them we loved them, but we're not in favor of what they've done because we don't believe that in the word of God. And those are sensitive, tough times. We all know that and it's a challenge for us, but the key is that we are faithful to God's word, and we lift them up, and we love them, and that we help them in the time of need, and that we adjust our lives so that they can see we love them, but we're not gonna buy on board of a sinful gesture, of life. Paul went to the festivals of the, the pagans, and yet he did not participate in their moral actions because he wanted to show them the truth of the gospel. And the same thing is true with us. We need to show them our love, our consistency, and bring them the truth of God. Otherwise, they will not understand. Our, the church has failed in reaching society. In fact, we at one time were the top dog. Christianity was huge, and now it's shrunk. It's because we become so much involved in our culture and that we have not stood firm on the truths of God's word that many children have broken away and gotten into all these crazy things. In fact, our society needs help. We have a God of justice. We don't defund police departments. We have two cities right now. Minneapolis is now called Murder, Murderopolis. And Philadelphia is called Killer Philadelphia. And the reason why they're calling him that because they've tried to defund the police and in doing so crime rights have just skyrocketed and they're wondering why. God has justice and it's not right for anybody to take anybody else's stuff. It's not right to put your tent in somebody else's yard and say that you are not gonna get moved and you can stay there for as long as you want. That's somebody else's property and God has justice. Read the Old Testament and Leviticus and all the laws about land. And what is happening in this country? We have people who just think, no, it's no big deal. And we have public officials, city councils are saying, no, Don't kick people off the front lawns of people's houses who are intense. We wanna be compassionate. That's not God's way and it's wrong. And we need to make sure that people understand that, but that we also bridge the gap and say, look, we love you, but we wanna show you God's way, which is a better way. And he says, in order to keep your sanity in this, Think about what Paul was dealing with, what these Corinthians had around them, all the sin and corruption and craziness. And you look at what the Apostle Paul then says about keeping his head on straight and being able to walk. He does it for the sake of the gospel, of course. But notice what he says to us now. What do I, how do I go about it? And he says, Paul was right around Athens, Corinth. They had the Isthmus Games, which was just as big, almost as big as the games in Athens. And there were sports events. And usually they had Greek citizens were the only ones that could compete in them. And they have usually about six things that they could do boxing, running, javelin throw. I think it was discus throwing and wrestling. And um, basically what they can do, they would compete, but not everybody could compete. The people that were allowed to compete were citizens, but they also had to 10 months do training for it to qualify for it. And what he's saying here to us, and this is why he says it, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win, Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Therefore, I run in such a way as to without aim, not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating air, but I discipline my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And what Paul is saying here He says, we need to discipline ourselves. And we need to be prepared for the battle that we're in every day. And it's easy to get sucked in. But if you're in training, you'll be able to battle those things and you'll be able to fight. And we're not in competition with each other. He says we're in competition with the roadblocks and, and the things in our society that are bringing families down and bringing children in, into crazy patterns of life that are false and they're gonna, they're gonna burn with them. And Paul says we're not competing for this perishable wreath. And in those days, people would take flowers and put them on the top of the one who run, won the race. The sad part about it, they would shrivel up and they would die. They're perishable things. And Paul is saying, we're battling, we're fighting, we're training in order to win the battle that's eternal. Winning souls for Christ. And that we want them to have the truth for them. And they run that race in such a way that they will receive a crown. And it comes, he says, with self-denial. Because look what he says. We take control of our bodies. That's what they do. These athletes, these people get in control and they train vigorously for 10 months and that we need to be in training so that we can deny ourselves and even in our own temptations gain victory over them and also bring people the truth and that our crown is them and that we hear at the end of our run and when we die and we hear God say welcome in well done thou good and faithful servant so that we run and notice what he says We don't run just to box and make it look like we're really somebody who's really in control. He says, we're doing it to win, folks. We're in the battle. We need to fight. We need to get at it. Not just boxing in the air. We need to really take it on and be strong in our own faith and not let people bring us down. Yesterday, uh, um, not yesterday, Friday, I was called out to a home. And this lady said she hadn't been in church in 15 years. And here I was sitting with her, with her son laid out on the floor dead. And, and, and she was telling me about her experience with the church. And I said, those things do happen in the church. But we need to be strong inside, be able to take that. And I said, you're no different than David was. David said, it's not my enemy who's my problem. In Psalm 55, he says, it's the guys that I go to the temple with. They were detracting from him. Paul had that same problem. Peter did. John did. And to be strong emotionally and spiritually to take those hits. So that we don't give up. And stop going to church. Or stop doing kind things to people. I know sometimes I want to give up on some people because they burn me but I can't. The problem is with them, it's not that they're stupid and they're jerks, no. They're lost and they're gonna use me, they're gonna use my money and say, they'll give me a story, you know, the story, no, I better not get into that, but they give you a big story, why they need the money. I had, the other day I had a situation where a guy asked me to help him with his rent and he forgot that he had left the phone on. And he was in the room with his friends. And there were some things that he said about Pastor Dave mocking me. He said, I hit him up again. That was mild to what he said. But I got more money out of him again. Now tell me, if I wasn't strong in the Lord, <laughs> I would have gone down there and ripped his lungs out. But I gave him the money anyway. And I told him, I said, I heard what you said. But because of Christ's love, here's your money for the room. You see, because he needed to hear that. His soul was sick. It's sick in sin. Don't be surprised when you see people do things like that. Because that's who they are. And that's why we're in the business we're in. And that's why I'm in the business I'm in. Because we want them to know Jesus. And we don't want anything, even our ego, smashed on the floor. Oh, he's a sucker, Pastor Dave. No, it doesn't matter. What matters is his soul. And I hope that lays on his heart what happened between the two of us. And that he gives his life to Christ. You see, it takes training and maturity and strength be able to handle those things, and we're in the world like that. In fact, Paul, he uses a Greek word. It's called hupobazeo, and it mean really. It says he says, "I punish my body," and really it says, "I take a hit under the eye. I get a black eye for the gospel of Christ. It hurts, and it looks ugly, but it's for the gospel of Jesus, and that's why he does it. You know." We see athletes, I was reading about this one little athlete by the name of Sean Johnson, little girl. And she was a gymnast in China in 2008. And she talked about how she trained herself. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about this with my Bible study and my prayer and stuff, I said, I need to pick up the game here. Because she would start out early in the morning before school and work out an hour and a half, go to school. After school, she'd go down to the gym again and spend four hours in workouts for the events that she was in. Each event, it took them 50 minutes per event. And she poured all this time in and she won three uh, silver medals and one gold medal. But You know, those are perishable. And the Bible says here, we're doing it for the imperishable, for the glory of God, and that we will receive a crown that is eternal. Let's pray together. Lord, we just pray that as we go along forward, that your high calling, that at the end of our lives, as we've battled and as we've loved people and we've cared for them and talked to them about Christ, That Jesus, that um, we can hear the well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lord, for these folks today as they go into their world and they love people in Jesus. That you use them, Lord, for your glory. And it's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen. At this time, we'll receive our communion. The Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take eat, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. Amen. In like manner also Jesus took the cup. And when they had supped he had said to his disciples this cup is the covenant of the blood that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship and power of the Holy Spirit be in you today and forever amen my peace i
0: give